Hello and welcome to One Sweet Dish, a podcast about that one dessert we hold dear. I'm your host, Kate Karchor. On today's episode, you'll hear about a recipe some might debate is even a sweet treat, and how a phone call ended a decades-long mystery over a beloved family dish. Here's the story. Hello, my name's Nick, and my One Sweet Dish is pumpkin scones. I spent a lot of my childhood with my nana, with my grandma. We called her Ma, actually short and a lot of my integral childhood memories are around her kitchen bench with her baking and me watching and probably my sister and my brother and sometimes you know there'd be a whole bunch of us kids and cousins and people around that table and she'd be baking all sorts of different things actually tea cakes and scones your standard scones but there was one dish that she really loved and that was pumpkin scones which I've never really heard anyone else make so if there's anyone else out there that grew up with pumpkin scones I'd love to know and they were delicious and apart from that I think there was just a really nice feeling of inclusion so even if you weren't doing anything physically You'd be sitting at that table and she'd be involving you and she'd be chatting to you about life, you know. She'd be chatting to you about what's going on, what's been happening at school, you know. And I guess that all those feelings get wrapped up, you know, in that dish because then she finishes cooking and you eat it and you've had such a great time and then it becomes an integral part of that that flavour that when you eat that food, you're sort of back in that place thinking about, you know, I don't know, really innocent times actually. Luckily for me, I had... Um, very beloved grandparents and I got to spend a lot of time with them and I I guess I didn't really have a lot to worry about and a lot of adult things to consider. Take it for granted, don't you? This was a generation that very rarely went out for dinner or went out for meals. I don't remember ever going out for meals with my grandparents. They um, cooked everything at home and when we got together, we all got together at their house or somebody's house and and everybody cooked. Um, and I guess, yeah, that was a big part of that that experience of growing up was always being in a, in a warm kitchen that smelled amazing. When I think about my nana cooking, it's such a visceral memory. I've actually still got the sift that she used, that she had, I don't, it felt like she had it for about 100 years, but, you know, maybe it was 20 years. And it was such a familiar piece of equipment that whenever we would go over there and she'd pull all of her all of her cooking equipment about it was such a feeling of comfort and I could see her so vividly using all of those pieces of equipment and you know her trusty old wooden spoons and I ended up with a couple of things of hers that were have would have no value to anybody else except for me one was um her sieve and the other was her washing tongs which she used to wash her clothes with they were the you know the old wooden tongs and she'd use them in really really hot water to wash things and those are the two things i think i remember her using the most so she'd be you know either in the kitchen or she'd be working she was very very busy all the time the kitchen never really had any music there wasn't a lot of music in that house Uh, So she wouldn't be baking to music or anything like that. Um, That came out later on in the afternoon 
after the shandies had been poured and that was quite infamous but yes I have got her sieve which obviously I don't use anymore because um they were they were very um a great quality they lasted a long time but eventually they rust you can't use them yeah now when I think about it, it you know we now go out and buy a new piece of cooking equipment every five minutes but it was such a post-war attitude that you didn't throw something out unless it was completely useless. Um, and so between that feeling of comfort and consistency and her sort of putting, you know, putting the flour out on the bench and kneading that, um, oh, I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's butter and sugar together first. I can't remember now. But, yeah, there was just all these steps that were so familiar and I can still see her in her apron you know, with the hand movements, putting it all together and forming the little rounds of of scones. And little did I know I was taking all that in, even though she wasn't teaching us to cook. We were just watching her, but we all, you know, most of our cousins that experience that now um, tend to, uh, you know, like some time in the kitchen, like it's quite therapeutic. So she's obviously passed that on to us. Oh, that's lovely. And pumpkin scones, it doesn't sound like it would be particularly sweet oh it's a little secret to the pumpkin scones you do add a little bit of sugar and I have to say that over the years um I've had I've added less and less sugar to my recipes because I think my nana had very much a sweet tooth everything um, that she baked was quite sweet and I, I had no complaints when I was younger but as I've gotten older I have I've had cut back on the sweetness of the pumpkin scone <laughs> And sometimes, you know, if the if the season's right, you will get a really lovely, sw- super sweet pumpkin that you know you don't you barely need to add any sugar to. But um, there is a little bit of added sugar, and there's just something about that. It's like a little sweet cake. Maybe it's like maybe it's a little bit like the corn, you know, sort of style biscuits in the in the um, northern America. I don't. Yeah, maybe there's that sort of sweet, savoury thing going on, but I don't know what it is. Just whack a big slab of butter on it and it's absolutely delish. And so have you made these pumpkin scones over the years? I have actually. I don't do a whole lot of baking, but pumpkin scones is one I go back to uh, because it's actually quite an, a simple a simple thing to make and it's quite reliable and I can fool myself into thinking I'm having some vegetables in my in my baking. <laughs> Is that what you're like, oh well I don't need vegetables for dinner, I've got it for dessert. That's right. I've got I've got my dinner sorted. I've got pumpkin scones. <laughs> <laughs> There's another sweet dish that has been in your family for a while. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Mm, I know I kind of almost started with this recipe because it's another one that I don't actually uh, I'd made up a whole story in my head about how it came to be and it was a vanilla slice that instead of using pastry, it used uh, sayo biscuits. Mm-hmm. They call biscuits crackers, yes. like the savoury square and they get sort of laid out in place of pastry and then everything else is the same. It's kind of like a, you know, a, a budget quick version of a vanilla slice and I know that the French probably turning in their grave somewhere but 
I'd made up all these reasons for this this dessert being in our lives and then I spoke to my mum about it and I very quickly found out that there was no story whatsoever to it and I think it was something they probably found in a magazine or on the side of a sayo packet and just cooked but they cooked it enough times for it to become such a memory for me I can still I can still see mum laying out the sayo biscuits and I can still remember the smell of the of the custard and you know that pink icing so it was always pink um going on top and then it all had to go into the fridge and wait for it to be set to be cold and on a really hot summer's day you'd come in and cut yourself a little square it was great for serving actually because you could never take a piece that was you know too big or too small because you had the sayo as your guide so you could just chip chop around the edges there and that sensation of eating a really delicious sweet cold vanilla slice on a really hot day was the best and I can almost taste it when I think about it I think I might have to try and cook that one again actually and you know I know there's a lot of people that would put down the vanilla slice but I'm no dessert snob hit me up with the vanilla slice any day in Australia, it's often referred to as the snot block. <laughs> Is I mean, I understand where they're going. You know, it's got it's got a particular texture. I mean, but it but tastes delicious. It's de- <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. You've been listening to the One Sweet Dish podcast. One Sweet Dish is produced by Dan McHugh and is brought to you by Happy Tuesday Productions. If you'd like the recipe from today's episode, head to happytuesday.com.au or find us on social media. For more episodes of One Sweet Dish, find us wherever you get your podcasts.